Undead acknowledgments, spooky people. <laughs> and welcome to another episode of My Spooky Gay Family. I am your resident spooky drag queen, Pissy Miles. And I'm your resident spooky drag queen, spooky sister, Sam Baxter. And, and this, this is, is My Spooky, spooky Gay, gay Family. Spooky listeners, welcome to another episode. I'm very excited to be back today with my very, very wonderful co-hostess, Miss Sam Baxter. Hello, Aww, Sam Baxter. You. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful. You know, I'm feeling a lot better these days. Really? I am. I there. I hit a. I hit a little slope, and I, I took a little <laughs> dive for a minute. But now I'm feeling better. I think it's because I made those uh, those Empire biscuits this past weekend. I mean, that's that's certainly one way to do it. I probably would have just eaten the eaten cookies to feel better. But making cookies is, you know, a step above what I'm capable of. I've been eating quite a few cookies. So I'm I'm like, I need something else to do that is actually active and and participatory. (laughs) So I'm going to make the cookies this time. And it did. It put me in a good mood. I've been working on some fun projects and uh, doing some fun things around the house. So it's been nice to have like things to do. I think that's put me in a better mood. Yeah, I can see how that would happen. Like, just trying to, like, fill the time is, like, yeah. the, the enemy of my well-being. I've picked up Jedi Fallen Order again. Okay. H- have you ever played it? Yeah. You did. So, I base I beat the game, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. But these days, I'm going back and doing all the, like, little secret quests that I, I hadn't done yet, or, like, finding all the, like, the little treasure chests that I hadn't found. Right. And it's it's starting to become a little bit annoying because I'll be like, okay, I finished. And then I'll go back and I'll look at the planet and it'll be like 92% finished. And I'm like, no, I definitely finished more than that. So I'll go back and I'll do everything I can think of to find. It even like tells you basically where shit is that you haven't done. So I... I went back and started doing it again. I went back and I, I, I did like all these things. And then I go, I'm like, okay, I finished everything. And I go back to my ship and it's like, planet is 93%. I'm like, <laughs> no, why? <laughs> I'm like, what is the fucking problem? That's I'm how a I feel Jedi. About Fable. I, you know, I haven't played Fable. Fable is an incredibly fun series, but like I have played all of those games at least six times. I have never achieved 100% on any of them. <laughs> like, I, I, I feel, feel like, like it's, it's basically actually impossible. impossible. Yeah. I can't imagine that most people have ever finished the game. I'm sure there's somebody out there who has, but like. I just don't have the patience to go and look for every fucking treasure chest. Yeah, like, like I'm not 13. When am I going to do this? <laughs> Although these days is probably the worst <laughs> excuse. It's uh, up until this point, all the casual gamers have been like, oh, I'm not a child. I have responsibilities. I can't play these games. And now it's like all we have is time. And I'm like, and they're like, noob. Like, seriously, I shudder to think what I would be called on a fucking multiplayer video game. I can't even imagine. I... I don't want to imagine. Like, I feel like it's better for me if I don't. I just avoid it at all costs. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, it's worked out well for me so far. Listen, any game I can play offline, I will. The only game I play online is the one I play with you. Yeah. <laughs> Ditto. But we uh, we did not come here to talk about video games again today, kids. We came to talk about... actually. A subject in horror that has been one of my very favorite subjects since I was like a little kid. I have always loved this. And I don't know if it scares me, but I definitely enjoy it. 
So we're going to talk about vampires and vampirism. Mmm, <laughs> spooky. Uh, I'm, very, I'm very excited about vampires because they have, you remember, like when I was a little kid, every Halloween it was Dracula. Yeah, I you were kind of vampires. obsessed. I've always wanted there to be like a vampire video game where I am a vampire. And I'm pretty sure that there are. There but are, not, but it's not like what... I, don't I want know like how Vampire GTA. It. Yeah, that's like, what I want. That, that's kind of the thing. Like, I don't think that there's a game out there really that fits that description. Yeah, and I just want to be able to like fly around and attack people. That's all I want. <laughs> and like hypnotize them and make them do weird things. That's what I want. That's that's what I want out of a vampire video game. If you could have a video game where you could be like one thing what would you want to be like a horror thing i mean i feel like i would probably also choose vampire because i feel like there's the most there's the most like possibility for chaos Mm. because like if you're a werewolf you're just gonna have a bunch of people with guns trying to shoot you and like yeah and i don't need it's not like that doesn't sound like fun to me the only thing i think would be more fun than a vampire is a witch I would love to be a witch in a video game. I mean, that's fair. I be- And there have been witch video games, but it's always like Harry Potter video games yeah. or like one specific witch. I, I want either just a generalized you are a witch flying on a broom, casting spells and tormenting people, or <laughs> I want specifically Hocus Pocus. I don't know why there you isn't want a, a Hocus Pocus Sisters video game. You Sisters video game? Why the fuck is there not? <laughs> Why? Why is there not? We Could you imagine how many people would play a Hocus Pocus video game? Yeah, but you know they'd make you play as like Max. No, absolutely not. We know better at this point than to think that they are dumb. I mean, if if EA makes it, you'll play as Max. But if any yeah. other, if any competent video game production company... <laughs> I'm really, I wish you could all see what I'm seeing right now. Sam's phone. (laughs) We FaceTime while we record this because obviously we are practicing very good social distancing. We record our tracks separately at home and Sam's phone, I guess it must be a wire. Yeah. One of the wires is like pulling it. it. And so she'll start to like drift out of frame and then I'll see her like angrily try to like fix it and then she'll put it where it wants she wants it and then it will slowly just like drift away. (laughs) It's like having a conversation while we're talking through one of those like rotating security cameras. (laughs) But yes, I would love to have a Sanderson sister GTA. That's all I want. I want to, and I want to be able, I want like a game where I can fly around on a broom and torment people with lightning. That's all I want. So you just, and want, I want to, you really want Winifred. You don't really even want like Mary or Sarah. Oh, I want to have friends. I want them there to like help me do shit. <laughs> but I have a feeling that they would be like more useless than useful well, <laughs> if I mean, the game is done correctly. I was going to say like if they're doing it right. Yeah. If it's done, if it's done really with, with, uh, trueness to the source material with reverence to the source material, I should say, um, (laughs) yes, I would love a Sanderson sisters video game. That said, we're here to talk about vampires. Yes. So I'm going to, I'm going to put the Sanderson sisters video game in my back pocket for now. Uh, you know what we should do? We should reach out to concerned ape and be like, listen. We need this to happen. <laughs> Concerned Ape is the company that makes Stardew Valley, for those of you who don't know. Um, vampires. Vampires are one of my very, 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 very favorite topics when it comes to the horror genre. Um, they are a classic monster. And I think when when you think of classic monsters, you think of the universal yeah. monsters, right? You're thinking so Dracula, we, Frankenstein, Invisible Man, etc. Exactly. Even Bride of Frankenstein, yeah. uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, all of those, all of those wonderful, all those wonderful black and old, white beauties. Yeah, the black and white beauties, um, and of course, Bella Lugosi was yes. the original vampire himself, Dracula. Uh, and I mean, it depends thing- on whether or not you consider Nosferatu. 
I mean, I do, but I, I guess I never think of him as like the OG. I always think of Bell Lugosi as the OG. Oh, well, yeah, because he has the cape and he has the like weird giant metal necklace that looks like some kind of like military yeah. adornment. <laughs> <laughs> like he got a purple heart in World War One. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I you know, what's funny about Nosferatu is that I have seen most of the movie. Mm hmm. And obviously, it is basically Dracula. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just Nosferatu. But when Jonathan Harker gets to the castle, Nosferatu looks so fucking horrifying. I cannot for the life of me imagine why he walked, he stayed. That's, that's a problem with a lot of the Dracula incarnations is it's like willful suspension of disbelief. Yeah. But like <laughs> that first like couple minutes there with Jonathan where you're like, what are you doing? Like, this is just a big basket of red flags. I don't understand. I know. Like, look at him. He's he's basically just a red flag in a suit. Like, just walk <laughs> away. Waving in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's one of the things Dracula can apparently turn into as a giant red flag. A giant you red give flag. Give it enough time. That nobody will notice. <laughs> no, not a single one. But that's the, and that's kind of one of the things that I always kind of have a problem with in the Dracula retellings is that the whole allure of Dracula is supposed to be that he's charming and he's like the spider in the web. He draws people in. Yeah. And that's because he's supposed to have powers of like hypnotism and seduction. So it's like, why do we keep having these like, walking zombies of Dracula. Like, that's not... It's not alluring in any way. No, I think it's supposed to just be grotesque, which, I mean, it, it achieves brilliantly. Yeah. But, like, I mean, it's been a long time since I read Bram Stoker's novel, but mm -hmm. I don't recall Dracula being this, like, half a ghoul... No. ...character when John Jonathan shows up. So, no. like... You know what's funny? I actually think Anne Rice was the closest to what, uh, with the exception of the original, with the OG, Bela Lugosi, uh, is Anne Rice's idea of what the vampires were, were these like young, beautiful, attractive people that were alluring to people and that could draw them in and kind of trap them. And that's kind of what, I, that's why I think of Bela Lugosi as the, the OG Dracula, because I mean... Different time, different standards. He was alluring and attractive and uh, diplomatic looking. and Like the kind renowned. of guy that you could have a beer with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was basically uh, the chief of staff for the Trump administration. Um, <laughs> he, Bill Lugosi was the, the great Dracula because he kind of brought those qualities to the character. And that's kind of something that I have always been attracted to when it comes to vampires, because vampires are supposed to be cool and fun and like, they're, they're playful in a, in a weird way. Cause they're hunters, you know? I mean, they're definitely supposed to like, their creepy is supposed to come from the fact that like, you couldn't necessarily, you didn't, you don't necessarily know they're a monster immediately. Yeah. Like, like, like it should be difficult for you to figure out who the vampire is. So like, yeah, no, when you have these grotesque guys, like walking, like when you have like Gary Oldman walking out in the fucking like, <laughs> in, in the Leia buns and like. In like, the hair hat. Yeah, in the hair hat. <clears throat> like, it makes it a little more difficult to believe that anyone wouldn't think it was Dracula. I know. Like, <laughs> like who could it be? And he's in the corner like. Like, he's got a fucking tramp stamp that says, I'm a vampire on it. Like, like it's not like, there's there's no way that, that you would look at that guy and be like, yeah, he seems totally normal. Like, <laughs> like and there's supposed to be something odd about them. That's, that's always what clues our main character yeah. into that there's a problem at all. But, like, it's it's a little over the top in certain iterations. Yeah, and I, I get it because... To keep telling the story, you have to kind of keep giving it a little oomph. But I, I guess something there, there's something to be said for nuance, I think. <laughs> there is, but that's one of the reasons why one of my favorite vampire movies is actually Fright Night. 
Mm. Because I think Chris Sarandon did a really, really good vampire in that he movie. Did. Like, and looks the part. Like, and completely. also, like, when they're supposed to be scary, they're scary. And yeah. when they're not, they're not. Like, yeah, Chris no, Sarandon just is just... Menacing. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Sarandon is, like, the attractive neighbor. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, the mom is like, yeah, he's great. And you're like, no, like every other mom <laughs> in, in an 80s horror movie. Um, but I agree. I think Fright Night is a really great iteration of the vampire because it's it's essentially like the vampire story is almost always the same story. It's it's essentially, you know, vampire moves in. Someone realizes that there's a vampire, usually after they've killed one or two people, and then <laughs> spend the rest of the movie trying to convince everybody that there's a vampire and that he has to be staked. Like, that's your basic vampire story in a nutshell. The Lost Boys? What? I, I, and I it's, it's what basically just Fright Night. <laughs> Fright Night it's is Fright- that story. Yeah, and and The Lost Boys, <laughs> yes. which uh, strangely is uh, kind of, it, it, again, very similar in terms of structure. Um, because uh, the only, I, I guess there are uh, aesthetic differences between the two movies. Yeah. You know, The Lost Boys is much more uh, visceral and, and grungy, whereas Fright Night is a little bit more cartoony to me. Yeah, it's a little more 80s camp. Friday 80s night. camp, whereas mm-hmm. The Lost Boys is kind of 90, 90s grunge. And it very they very much reflect the time period. Was The Lost Boys 80s or 90s? I, th- I want to say it was like 91. It was like early 90s. Like, I want to say it was early, early 90s. It was around the Nirvana revolution, right? Yeah, that's why you have like Kiefer Sutherland studied. Although it has a pretty 80s aesthetic, which is not unusual for the early 90s. No, it actually came out in 1987. Oh, never mind. So it is very much it is very much an 80s movie, but it does kind of have those elements that lead us into the grunge era, which is that kind of like cool rocker guy and like not giving a shit about anything. And yeah, it, it was a much different take on anything anyone had done with vampires up until that point, which I thought was really cool. Especially since, like, the person who you would expect to be the hero in that story becomes a vampire. Mm-hmm. Which was exactly. sort of an odd thing <laughs> for yeah. them to choose to do. There were a lot of really interesting things that they did in, in that movie. One I thought was that they didn't kind of lean into the vampires, like, the whole, like, bat thing and and yeah, all of that. It was more like they're just kind of wild boys that that do whatever they want and don't really face any repercussions for it. And that's what I love about The Lost Boys is it, it takes vampirism to like... It's kind of a it, punk thing. Yeah, it's very punk. It's very punk. And it, it's uh, it, it's more fun. It's fun. You're almost rooting for the vampires through the whole movie if you didn't <laughs> like the main characters so much. Yeah. Um, that said... That led to kind of a another fun iteration of vampires that I really loved was the Blade series in the 90s and 2000s. But I, I think we'll get more into the iterations of, of vampires yeah. a little bit later. For now, um, what, what do you think? We've kind of dived into this already, but what do you think it is about vampires that is so fascinating to people? I think it's the fact that they're that they're predators. I think it's it comes back around to that kind of idea of being hunted, which is not a thing that like most human beings will experience in their lifetime. Mm. So like when we watch these movies or we read these stories or watch this TV show, like it's it's that it gives little, you the thrill of being yeah. predated. <laughs> yeah, this little kind of vicarious thrill of watching someone else like have to deal with something that's literally trying to eat them. Mm. And you have, it's it's very intimate, it's kind of taboo, because there's that little sprinkle of cannibalism in there, because they're human-shaped. Mm-hmm. And it's also just, like, everybody's just a little bit squicked out by blood, and, like, what do they eat? So, like, yeah. you know, it's, I, I think that it, they just, they tick off a lot of boxes in sort of the transgressive behavior department. Yeah, I agree. It's very taboo. And yes. I think... Beyond the idea that like we, oh, and we've talked about this before, you know, people's kind of dark allure to, to things that make you feel um, good about the idea that you've never been in that situation. Yeah, that little bit like, of schadenfreude, yeah. 
yeah, that schadenfreude of like, I'm going to watch someone else go through this really awful experience because it reminds me that I haven't. There's also, at least for me, there's this kind of dark, dark fascination with the idea of being the predator. If no, that makes sense. Absolutely. I think that a lot of, especially once we see sort of the everything post interview with the vampire. Mm hmm. Um, there's always a little bit of like, even with Blade, like Blade is what he's half vamp, half vampire. Yeah. Yeah. So like there's always this kind of especially because vampires have some pretty cool powers, right? Like they can they, they do, can yeah. control minds, they can turn into animals, they can they can fly in a lot of iterations. Like who the <laughs> fuck wouldn't want to be a vampire? I know. Like, so it's got this double edged sort of being scary, but also really fucking cool. Because you're powerful. I think that's part of the allure of, of vampirism is that it's a very powerful thing to have. The, you know, the the essence of vampirism. Yeah. And you're also like when you're being an actual predator, like you are stealing like someone's life force. Like it's yeah. not it's not just your you're you know, you're not a shark. You're not just taken off the bottom half and walking away, so to speak. <laughs> So to speak. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, there's also, it's, you know, it's the, the, the sexy vampire thing. Like, who doesn't mm -hmm. want to be like sexy and powerful and be in control all the time? Yeah. And I think that that's kind of something that draw that draws me to vampires, because obviously in our actual lives, no one wants to do things to hurt people or, or do that. But yeah. I, I think in this kind of fantasy realm, it makes you feel powerful to think about like, oh, well, what if I had these qualities? What if I was that, you know, charismatic? What if I was that alluring to people? What if I was that powerful over people? I think that that's a, a powerful fantasy. And also, what if I was immortal? Because well, like, <laughs> there's also the, the, the idea of being undead, they don't die, really, you know, unless they are killed, which is always a powerful drawer of attention for human beings is the idea of not having to die ever. I agreed. And I think that that's, I think the, the crazy thing about vampires is that they draw you in with this like idea of power, but then they also really like, when you stop to think about it, they really challenge all of your beliefs as far as like, mortality goes. It it challenges all of your beliefs in terms of your morals, because it's like, well, if I was a vampire, I would have to kill people. I would have to yeah. kill things to stay alive. And not only that, but then it comes into play like your, your religious beliefs, because it's like, oh, well, do I believe in a you know, an afterlife. And if I believe in an afterlife, what does that mean if I've been a vampire? You know what I mean? Yeah. So there, there's all these really really interesting pieces and facets of, of vampirism that at least to me, and I think that's why I like them so much is that they come with so much baggage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm attracted to men with a lot of gap uh, baggage. They can be a bit broody McFrood pants. They're very like, broody. Like it can, it can get a little like I'm looking at you, angel. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it can be overwhelming. Like him and fucking Lewis from Interview with the Vampire is just like, oh, oh my, my god. god, get over it. Lewis is like, the broodiest brood that ever brooded. He is like, so miserable. <laughs> he's like, I didn't have a choice. It's like, of course you didn't have a choice. You got attacked by a vampire. Like, dude, like, like I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> what do you want? Like, what do you want, Lewis? <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where like. On the one hand, I want to sympathize with that kind of like cursed, afflicted type of vampire. You know, that good man who's had this terrible thing happen to him. And it's always a guy. Like, <laughs> on the other hand, it's kind of like he made you immortal. You have superpowers and like you can go to your local blood bank if you really don't want to kill people. Yeah. Like, and on top of it, uh, it's like, <laughs> it's like you. Yeah, you might be you might be morally conflicted, but. The sun comes up every morning. Like, I don't know what to tell you, Lewis. If you really don't like it that much, there is a, there is an out switch. Not that we're advocating for undead suicide. I'm, no, I'm not advocating for any kind of suicide. I'm saying in terms of if you are an immortal demon, there's always, <laughs> there's always, there's, there's always, always a out. way. There's yeah. always an out. That is not to say that there is an out from your lives, 
listeners, no. that is a much different situation. Um, that said, I, th- I think that that kind of points out some of the things that we love about vampires, but vampires also have a lot of, uh, Achilles heels. <laughs> yeah, they really do. Like, there's a lot of caveats, a lot of quid pro quos, you know? Sort and, uh, of yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, doing like my vampires worst were created by Hannibal yeah. Lecter. Yeah, like, there's there's a lot going on. There's the garlic thing, there's crosses, there's you have to be invited in places. Like, there's just, there's a lot of rules. That one is the most annoying go one. On. It's a lot of work. Like, if you believe in the mythology of a vampire has to be invited into your home, that's that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, but I think that's why they're so charming. The, well, because they have to be, yeah. Yeah, but, it's just but part that, of the game. That, that, like, ruins vampirism for me. If I had to spend my entire eternity trying to convince people to let me eat them, I would just be like, okay, I'm done. I don't, uh, I'm going to starve. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it would be like working in customer service your whole fucking life. I mean, technically, you don't have to feed in their home. Like, you could just, you know, do it in a public place, I guess. I suppose. But it's very hard to do at night. How so? People don't go out, people don't go out as much during the nighttime. Well, that's true, but I mean at the same time, like, you know, you have like clubs and bars and things like that. Hmm. I guess <clears throat> that's true. I I always think of it as like if I have to if I have to work at this at all, I it, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> I mean, it does kind of bring up the idea that, like, you have to have a place to live, which means in theory, like, you have a job forever. Like, yeah, like, and you have to switch jobs frequently because you don't age. So mm-hmm. it's like, like, what if you become like a really good accountant? <laughs> and you just and, and, <laughs> like you have to switch up every so often, like, well, I can't be an accountant anymore. I have to like, imagine how many vampires ac- were affected by quick and loans. Right? My goodness. <laughs> um, is there a, is there a, what are they called? A weakness or a rule that you don't like? I've never really understood the garlic thing. And I feel like. I knew oh, yours was going to be garlic because I, you love garlic. <laughs> I, I do love garlic, but like, no, it's, it's one of those, like. It just seems like such a hard thing to try to avoid that it seems Mm. almost impossible. Like if you're eating a human being and they've had dinner recently, you could potentially poison yourself. Yeah. Like I I just it seems like such a hard thing to stay on top of. Like like you you have to like take them out and just be like, okay, let's get Italian. It's like, no, I think we should go get sushi. (laughs) There is no garlic in the sushi. Like, what do you just tell them you get wicked heartburn from it? And like, you can't ever eat like eggplant parm? Like, I don't understand. Every vampire is from Boston. They get wicked heartburn. (laughs) I get wicked heartburn from that, from that garlic. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like, it just, it seems like so impossible. Like the cross is like easier to avoid. Like not, Mm -hmm. not easy, but easier to avoid. Yeah, because a lot of people do wear it around their necks. Yeah, but like the invitation thing, like, can be worked around. But like, Mm -hmm. you know, you pick up a girl in a club, you're going to eat her. And then like, you find out she had dominoes for dinner and you can't do it. (laughs) Like, 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 I don't, it's like you go to kiss her and it's just like, oh, never mind. It does become like, well, what, what amount of garlic is that? you know yeah. awful for them is it is it like a little bit of garlic will kill you or it just like tastes bad or it like gives them itchy eyes i mean the idea is because it it purifies things because it has like purifying capabilities since yeah, you're it, impure it, like it would hurt yeah. you but like I, I don't know it's it's one of those things that's like we see in movies all the time like they hang a thing of garlic up and like they can't cross the threshold like, mm. which means they can't walk by garlic. Like, how do they walk? Like, <laughs> like how do you walk into a supermarket? Like, there's garlic everywhere. Like, like, how would you, like, you couldn't come within a mile of a pizzeria. I don't understand. Excuse me. I don't understand, like, how on earth you're supposed to avoid this. It is a bit strange because one would think that, like, 
the garlic myth probably started as like, oh, eat a lot of garlic so that vampires don't eat you. But then somehow it turned up, it turned into like hanging garlic in the window, like throwing it off the roof, yeah, putting it under the bed. And you're like, this, this does nothing. <laughs> I'm just uncomfortable because I'm surrounded by the smell of garlic. Well, they used to, and I, I, I read this a while ago, so forgive me, I could be talking out my ass, but like they used to, if they were afraid a corpse was going to become a vampire, stuff its mouth full of garlic. Mm. Like that was just part of it. Raw garlic and or like raw like, garlic. Like hmm. just like a whole globe of garlic just like shoved into the mouth. I would have a really really huge I would have a really hard time putting my hand in a dead person's mouth. <laughs> that would really freak me out. I've I mean, watched <laughs> enough shark movies. <laughs> That you, you do not put things in the mouth. You've watched enough shark movies that you're afraid of a dead corpse's mouth. You don't know what it's going to do. Haven't you seen it's Deep It's going to lay Lucy? there. It's a corpse. It, but if it's alive, it's going to bite you. But you don't know if it's alive. It's probably not Exactly. Alive. That's do, the terrifying part. You do, it at, you do it during the daytime when it can't do anything. Zombies can come up during the daytime. Yeah, but we're talking about vampires. We it's don't not. know what it is. Okay. <laughs> It could be a zombie. It could be a it could be a shark. You don't know. I mean, it's pretty much human shaped, so I I feel like <laughs> the odds of like grandma turning out to be a shark are it's pretty a small. Shark in human clothing. <laughs> Fucking Little Red Riding Hood didn't realize a wolf wasn't her grandmother. Well, I mean, we could talk all day about how stupid Little Red Riding Hood is, but like, <laughs> no, but like, I feel like 30 Days of Night is a pretty good example of the shark in human clothing, which was yeah. kind of a weird vampire movie. Like, I feel like it was- I've only seen bits and pieces of it, if I'm being honest. I feel like it was kind of a direct commentary on sort of the romanticization of the vampire. It's like, no, we're going to turn them into fucking monsters again, and it's going to be gritty and bloody, and they're basically just mm. tearing people's throats out. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, like, this takes away some of the mystique. I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like this could have just as easily been a zombie movie. I don't really understand why them... Like, they're they're basically just ripping chunks out of people. It, do, it doesn't really seem to be, like, that blood-focused. Who was the director on 30 Days of Night? I have no idea. I'm curious. I was like, was it Rob Zombie? It seems like I, a Rob I, Zombie. It wasn't take a Rob Zombie movie. On, it on was based on Empire. a. It was based on a pretty popular comic book series. Oh really? Yeah. So was Blade. Yes, it was. No, but like sticking vampires <laughs> in Alaska, where there is, funnily enough, thirty days of night, like terrifying concept. It is a really like, good idea. Yeah. Like it's a great setup for a vampire, and if you were a vampire, that would be the obvious place to go, because it's like, well. I just get free reign for a, a month. <laughs> yeah, but then you have like a month where the sun doesn't go down. Well, I guess so at some point in the last like two days you leave. <laughs> You're just like, okay, peace, guys. Going to Washington now. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I guess at a certain point you do have to kind of relocate. But for that one month a year, it's all yours. It's like a vacation. Do you think they have like conventions during that one month? Is it just like, okay, everybody, <laughs> like <the witches. laughs> everybody goes to Alaska for that one month a year. Remove your cloaks. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Do you have a favorite iteration of the vampire story? I mean, I think my favorite piece of vampire media is Buffy. Like, no mm. holds barred. Like, I, I, I know we've talked about this before. Like, I think my favorite... <laughs> My favorite version of vampirism is probably Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think mostly because it treaded a really nice line between humanizing them and still having them be monstrous. Which is kind of exactly where I want them to be. Like, I don't want them so humanized that we forget that they're the bad guys, but I also don't want them so monstrous looking that that original kind of spider and fly, spider and fly dynamic is lost. Hmm. I'll agree with that. But <clears throat> I think, and I have said a number of times how I feel about Buffy. That's why I think my favorite is the Anne Rice situation. That's fine. Because, because I love that the vampires, they kind of have that punk feel in like a 16 and 1700s world where it's like, they're 
alternative and grungy and they do whatever they want, but it's in a very playful and sophisticated way. And they're also very attractive and alluring, but they're really vicious and monstrous. And so you, you kind of get the best of both worlds in a lot of ways, Uh, you know, at least in interview with a vampire. Um, And then you get into the vampire Lestat and all of that. Yeah, no, I always found Lestat, I think, a bit more interesting than I found uh, Lewis. I I do agree. I think Lestat is a more compelling character. Uh, I I don't know. I I really love Lewis, and I like where he ends up. Like, I like that he goes through that whole arc and then kind of finds himself on the wrong side of it. Yeah. So... I I do like that part about it. I like that she leans into the power of of being something that is kind of eternally forsaken. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I think it's a lot of fun. I I think it can be fun. Like I think um, the closest sort of corollary. I I mean, when you look at again, when you look at Buffy the Vampire Slayer, when you look at the two main vampires that we see we get a lot of screen time with it's angel and spike who are essentially just louis and lestat a bit, yeah, like, basically. L- like <laughs> angel is broody mcbroody pants and kind of everybody <laughs> either wants to fuck him or absolutely hates him yeah and then you have spike who suffers from some severe villain decay later in the series and loses his edge <laughs> a little bit yeah he d- but that again but- that's why i get frustrated with shows like buffy because it's like they, they take this character who you like because of his edge and yeah. his kind of villainy, and they they try to make him more likable by like humanizing him, and it's like, but that's not really what I needed from Spike. No, it's not. I mean, we got. It's also one of the things with Buffy where it kind of falls flat a little bit on the vampire aspect of it is like most of the truly like terrifying episodes of Buffy, they're not about vampires. Yeah, like <laughs> vampires are kind of like. What what was it in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? It was the the foot, like <laughs> the foot. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know they're 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 gimme baddies. They're you know yeah. just, she kicks them three times and they're down and that's it. And, but yeah, if and we need a, something harder, it's going to be a demon or something like that. They're the red jackets or whatever they are from yeah, Star Trek. They're red shirts. The yeah, red shirts. No. <laughs> I was turning them into Revolutionary War soldiers. Um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that. I th- I th- I think that. Buffy makes them fun. Like, what was the what was the the Buffy episode with the um? What are they called? Like the gentlemen? Uh, hush, the, which might hush. be the best episode ever. What are they called? They're called the They're, gentlemen. They are called the gentlemen. Yes. Um, and it is like that is one of the scariest Buffy episodes ever. Yes, ever. and no vampires to be seen except for not Angel. a one. Yeah, except for Angel, who is mysteriously who uh, is. Brooding McBroody Benz the whole time. Broody, 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 broody. Broody Bergenstern. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I did love that episode. There are certain episodes of, of Buffy that I have really enjoyed. That being one of them. But again, it kind of becomes problematic when the best episode of a vampire show has nothing to do with vampires. <laughs> I mean, I would argue that the master arc is is pretty fun in the first season. Buffy does, in fact, go up against Dracula, and I believe it's season five or six. Does she really? Yep, she goes up against Dracula. It's does she kill him? She does. She does kill that's, Dracula. That's kind of sad. You can't kill Dracula. Well, you can when you're Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't know. You're killing mythology. Then at that point, it's like it's like. Throwing your Christmas ornaments on the ground to break them. Uh, you can't do that to <laughs> Dracula. Just nail his coffin shut. That's like the whole point of her, though. Like that's, like that's like her whole deal is she slays vampires. That's why it's her name. But not Dracula. You can't kill Dracula. I don't think Van Helsing would agree with you. He's like a creepy uncle. <laughs> you can't kill him. He's always there. Creepy Uncle Vlad. Creepy Uncle Vlad. <laughs> 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 oh goodness. Um we've talked a little bit about how vampires have been 
romanticized. Do you like that vampires have been romanticized? I don't know that I necessarily have a problem with it, but I do think that it, it takes away from the scary a little bit. Like, only when it's sort of that romance novel level, like, no, he's really good. He just has this, he's, like, when you treat vampirism like it's like it's cancer. Like in Buffy? Yes. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm perfectly willing to admit that it's one of the reasons I hate Angel. Like, it's it's one of those things, like, I am a Buffy fan who absolutely hates Angel, except when he's Angelus. Mm. Like, Angelus being the evil form of Angel, for those of you who are not familiar with the show. Like, <laughs> I love him as a villain, I hate him as a love interest for her, and I hate him as a character. <laughs> because he's yeah, just so I mean, it's hard fucking self-righteous. It's compelling because it gives her some kind of struggle as a as a it gives character, her, but it gives her an internal struggle, but like at the same time, like and then like they can never be together. So she ends up with other shitty boyfriends, but she always really wants Angel. And it's just like I never liked a single guy that Buffy dated ever. And it's not just because I'm a lesbian. They're just all terrible. I was like, would it be different like, if a, if it was a lesbian situation where she fell in love with a vampire who was a woman? I don't think so, because thinking about the vampires that were the options on that show, because there are female vampires on that show. But like, it's it's one of those things where, like, I don't think I would feel any differently about it. Like, I think if you made Angel Angela, I don't think I would like her any better. Angela, well, especially because her name is Angela. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's going to sell you used jewelry. <laughs> like, oh my God, would people call her Ange? Like, oh my God, that would Ange. be... Like, what Ange. Like, Ange or Angie. Does Angel have a, a nickname? Does he have a short name? Uh, Not really. He just, I mean, he gets called lots of things by Spike. Like, he gets what called... Does, it's it's all insults and shit. It's it's not like there isn't one that like really sticks out. But, but I he do, always calls him names. Yeah, he always calls him names, and it's usually some kind of riff on Broody McBroody Pants. Mm. But like, no, I I will be the first person to admit that like it is just as bad on Buffy as in anything else. <laughs> but like, <laughs> at least you know. At no, least you I totally see it. know. Like, like it's one of those things. I like Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> in spite of it, not because of it. So it's it's difficult for me to like interview with the vampire except for Lestat. Like I have See, a hard but, time with But it. that's I think part of what's most uh, that that is one of the things that makes me love those books is that you have Lestat who is kind of like the anti-hero and he's trying to make Lewis join the anti-hero forces and ultimately succeeds. <laughs> that's the beauty ultimately. of it. That's the, and that's the beauty of it is that we see this interesting character arc of how someone, it's almost the opposite of every arc every character has ever gone on in a book. It's like we see them trying not to embrace this bad thing and then they overcome it. And Lewis does the exact opposite. He, leans into it and becomes exactly what he's supposed to be, which is a vampire. Um, and that's kind of why I like the Anne Rice vampires. And also because there is a certain amount of homoeroticism. I guess that just a certain to me. amount. Yes. <laughs> I think that I, you know, I'd be lying if I said that that didn't appeal to me on some level. I will also be, upfront about the fact that one of the reasons I don't care for the Anne Rice novels is because I don't care for Anne Rice. Um, she's been very vocal about, like, she really hates people who write fan fiction. Like, she will sue people who <laughs> write fan fiction of her books. Like, and it's one of those things where it's like, they're not getting paid, bitch. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> like, and she gets really pissed off if you write gay shit. So really? it's like, yeah, she gets kind of pissed off when the, apparently if there's like explicit homosexual content, she gets kind of mad. And it's kind of like, I, I'm not here for that. I mean, I, I, I'm not that invested in it, so I'm, it doesn't it's, bother me it's that fine. much. It's fine. I just, I have, a, <laughs> I have a problem with authors who take that kind of anti-fan fiction stance. Because it's like, what bigger compliment could you possibly get than someone wants to play in your sandbox? As long as mm. they're not making money off of it and they're not saying that you stole, like, ideas from them. Like, who gives a shit? 
Yeah, like it I really guess, doesn't matter. It's hard because I've never been. I've never been in a situation where anyone has wanted to use my work that way. Like I can tell you if people started writing pissy miles stories and they started like putting her in weird situations and I saw her doing things that I didn't think she would do, I'd probably get pretty upset. Which I think would be fair, especially because Pissy Miles is an alternate persona of a real person. Like, I I think it gets a little weirder when you're talking about someone who actually exists, as opposed to a completely fictional character in a book. I mean, I'm sure that there are people who write drag queen fan fiction, though. Uh, There are people who do that, yes. But that's what I'm saying, like... I guess it becomes some authors think of this as a role playing activity. There's a, I guess there's something to be said for the fact that Anne Rice might feel a very strong personal connection to her characters, that there are elements of herself in them. So maybe that's what's so abrasive for her. I mean, I can completely understand not liking it. What I don't understand is getting litigious about it. Hmm. Like no one's, no one's making her read them. (laughs) Pissy Miles things, I might sue them. So you better not. <laughs> I will sue. I don't know. I I it I kind of feel neither here nor there about it, but That's I fine. can understand both sides of it because I'm I'm not really invested in the fan fiction world. So I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm super invested in it. I just I have a strong opinion on that. On this one thing. <laughs> <clears throat> I I kind of feel two ways about the romanticization, romanticizing yeah. of vampires. I was like, I don't know what the word for that would be. The romanticizing of vampires. I I don't know exactly how I feel about it because as I said, I do really enjoy the Anne Rice novels and I really enjoy the, the movies that were made based on the Anne Rice novels. That said, it did kind of... I guess in some way pave the road for like Twilight, which I'm not, I'm not really enticed by. So I don't know. It's kind of like a slippery slope situation. (laughs) (laughs) As much as I hate to use terminology like that, um, it started in a good place, but I think where it went kind of became really stupid. I mean, I think... These are, this is my blanket statement on the sort of supernatural romance section of the, (laughs) of Barnes and Noble. If this is something you like, that's completely fine. No, it's not. (laughs) Yes, it is. No, it's, it's what this looks like. I, I want to make it very clear that like, I think the Twilight books and the Twilight movies are kind of trash. They are. That's my personal opinion. I don't like them. I don't have to like them for you to enjoy them. And you I'm can never, enjoy them. And I'm never going to make fun of somebody for liking it. I just, they're garbage. Like, they're, they're hot garbage. Like, he's sparkly. They play baseball during thunderstorms because otherwise, like, they'd be too loud. Like, it's just, <laughs> you really just wanted a superhero boyfriend. Like, he, yeah. can, he can go out in the day. None of the rules are observed. Like, like they don't kill people. Like, it's just, he's not a vampire. Like, it's not, he's never been one. Like, he's just a super old 18-year-old, which makes him kind of creepy, frankly. Yeah, and makes you wonder how long he's been in school. And anyone's like, he's on his 37th year of grade 12. Maybe we could try something else. And he doesn't look a day over the 24th. Like, that's, I I, I don't know. It just, it it feels like he didn't have to be a vampire for this story to take place. And if like. No, he could have been anything. He could have been a regular person and it would have been fine. Like, it's just like, I feel like if the vampirism is so incidental to the plot that like you could take it out and it would be probably just as good a book or a movie. Yeah. You probably don't need to have it in there. And that was how I felt. There have been a few, like a handful of books that in my life I've like read them. And as I'm flipping through them, I've been like, everyone loves this book. Everyone loves this book. And I keep thinking, all right, well, I'll read one more chapter because maybe that's the chapter where things start getting great. And I read 
the entirety of Twilight, the first book, the mm -hmm. first book of Twilight, thinking that. I was like chapter after chapter thinking like, okay, well, maybe something's going to happen that will explain why everyone loves this so much. And I read the whole first book. And if I'm being honest, I can't remember any of it. Like, I don't remember a single thing that happens. And that to me should be distressing because it's like, if I can read an entire book and not have any recollection of it, that's problematic. Yeah, no, I made it. How far did I make it? I made it one chapter, I think, before I had to put it down. Really? Yeah, I, I was just having like. I was having a lot of trouble with the narration, like I was having a lot of trouble getting into it. Mm -hmm. And with the knowledge that there was really nothing in this book that I was looking forward to, I just gave up on it. Yeah. Like, and I'll, I'll be the first person to admit, I didn't read all of the books. I did not watch all of the movies. I have seen snippets of the movies and I read that one chapter. Yeah. So like, I'm not coming at this like I'm an authority on what Stephanie Meyer did. <laughs> <laughs> but like... Having seen those like little bits and pieces from the movies, I'm like, this just looks fucking stupid. Like, so that's that's my stance on Twilight. I don't like Twilight. You're free to like Twilight. We're all good. That's where I I'm don't at. like Twilight and you shouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, a Twilight really did not resonate with me at all. It didn't do anything for me and that kind of romanticizing of vampires has kind of turned me off to the idea but then you have things like true blood which is kind of somewhere between you know yeah. interview with the vampire and twilight that you know the vampires are still the bad guys and bill is still a vampire and he mm -hmm. still kills people and he still gets savage and but you know he's in love with sookie yeah, right? no, and Suki I read the Snooki? first, I think, I think it's Suki. Suki. Yeah, no, I read the first like four novels in that series and they were actually pretty good. I never I've actually never read watched any of the True show. Blood. I watched the show. I used to watch the show with Jess. Jess and I used to go into, um, we used to go into the city and we used to go to a bar. God, what was the name of it? I think it was called Professor Richards or something like that. The bar that we used to go to in the city. Um, and we would watch True Blood every Sunday. This was uh, shortly after Zach was born. Carmen would like watch Zach mm -hmm. and Jess and I would go into the city. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the night that Jess and I then, Jess was like, you know what? It was, it was the summertime. And she was like, I don't have... I don't have to, you know, teach tomorrow because at the time she was a teacher. She's like, I want to go out and have some fun. And I was like, okay. So Jess and I went out drinking <laughs> and we got so drunk that Jessica, <laughs> Jessica broke one of her flip flops that she was wearing and was for a short time walking around New York City with one bare foot. And then I gave her my, one of my shoes. So she was wearing one flip-flop, one of my shoes, and I was wearing one of my shoes and a sock. <laughs> and we were <laughs> drunk and we had taken the train in. So we were going to take the train back to sober up. And then by the time we got back to New Jersey, we would be sober and Jess would drive us home. So we took the train back, drunk off our asses. We were, we were a mess. And by the time we got back to New Jersey, we were sober and we went to get in the car and Oh, no, 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 no. We had missed the last train. I forgot this part. We had, for, we had missed the last train. So we took a taxi <laughs> from New York City to our town in New Jersey, which was not a short ride. No. And in the cab had sobered up. And then when we got to her car, realized <laughs> that she had left her car keys in the cab. Oh, no. And that was the night that Carmen had to drive <laughs> and pick us up. And uh, and then the next day, like we had to go and meet the cab driver to get her. It was insane. It was it was probably one of the craziest nights I've ever had with Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> oh, heterosexual Jessica. Heterosexual Jess and I once got drunk off our asses watching True Blood in a bar called Professor Richards. 
for those of you who are waiting to hear what our opinion is on the Vampire Diaries, I have never watched it and probably never will. Oh, I haven't either. I have. If I'm being honest, I have no idea what the fuck it is. It's a it's a WB11 show. I yeah I know I know it's a show, yeah. but like I don't I, like, I don't know what it's to, like. I have no idea I, what it I is. I couldn't name a character or tell you a plot point. So sorry, guys. I didn't even think of it. And that says something when <laughs> the entire episode is about vampires. And it didn't even occur to me that, I mean, it, that it was important. There's so much, though. Like, there's Jonathan, Car- there's John Carpenter's vampires. There's, um, yeah. Frickin no, from I Dust Till Dawn. Like, like, there's so many vampires. Are you a fan stories. of From Dust Till Dawn? I liked it, personally. David loves it. Okay. I like it enough that, like, if I'm in the right mood and it's on, I'll watch it. That said, <laughs> I I would never turn the movie on. Like, I'd never be like, you know what we should watch tonight? Get the popcorn. We're turning on from dusk till dawn. <laughs> it's just not that movie for me. I, I, I get why people like it, especially straight men. Yeah. But... Well. <laughs> But for me, it just is not, uh, I, but to be fair, I am also not a huge, and I'm, I'm, I'm studying myself for the emails. Uh, I'm not a huge Quentin Tarantino fan, so it just, it doesn't really do it for me. That's fair. I love Kill Bill. I will say (laughs) I do love Kill Bill, but most of his other movies do nothing for me. I just don't like them. They don't, they're, they're not my cup of tea. I never really understood the Tarantino thing either, if I'm being honest. Like, I really like Inglorious Bastards, and I also like Kill Bill. But, I like, think that's he's a talented it. director. I just don't think his tone speaks to me. Yeah, like, no, I, 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 I hear that. I'm not saying other people shouldn't like him, and I'm not saying that they're bad movies. But I am saying that they're not my thing, which is the complete opposite of how I feel about Twilight. oh goodness i i think that was a pretty i think that was a pretty productive conversation about vampires i think it was too i have always wished that i was a vampire because i love like i remember when we lived at home on dad's street we -hmm. lived like on a really dark street that was like a cul-de-sac it was very private and i used to go for walks at night when i was in like high school and even into college i would just go for like walks and i would listen to music and i remember like when it started to cool down in the fall i would love the idea of like walking like lonely down the street and like i would imagine that i had like a cape like blowing in the wind that (laughs) i I think but honestly i think that's a big part of why i became a drag queen because i became obsessed with that idea of like living in a character's skin you know what i mean and and Mm -hmm. the darkness of the vampire but the power and the the coolness of of this this character really spoke to me i have never done that i've never (laughs) once taken a long lonely walk and pretended to be a vampire I mean, I didn't actively pretend, but well, I, I, I didn't fantasized. think that you were like stalking down the street or anything like. <laughs> with one arm across my yeah. face, <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> doing the Bell Lugosi, <laughs> blah, I want to suck your blood. Where did that phrase come from? I have no idea. I, I think really it, was, it was probably a spoof. I think it was probably like Abbott and Costello. It has, but it's not in uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. No, but isn't there an Abbott and Costello? Which, by the way, is a great fucking movie, and I'm a little sad we didn't talk about today. But well, we um, also skipped Dracula Dead and Loving It, and yeah, but we've talked about Dracula Dead and Loving It so much. (laughs) So, I do love Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. It's probably one of the movies that made me love Dracula so much because he's such a pivotal character in it. He is. He's also. I think isn't he also in Abbott and Costello Meet the Wolfman? I didn't, is that a, I don't know if that's a movie. The Wolfman is in Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. Or is it all the same thing? I think it's all the same movie. Okay. Never mind. It's been a long time. I was like, I was like the Wolfman. I was like. No, because there's, there's Meet Frankenstein and then there's also like Hold That Ghost. There is Hold That Ghost, but I don't, I don't think I've ever seen Hold That Ghost. Uh, That's okay. 
Um, there is there is not a specific Wolfman movie. The Wolfman is okay, in. Uh, no, 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 no. He's he's in. Um, he's in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, and he is played by. Uh, uh, what's his name? Lon Chain? Not Lon Chain Jr. Is it Lon Chain Jr.? What's yeah. his name? Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah. Um, does play him and uh, has one of the scariest fucking scenes I've ever seen <laughs> in it. Do you know, do you remember the scene in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein where Costello goes to like leave a note in the Wolfman's apartment, but they don't know he's the Wolfman. And so he walks in and he's changed to the Wolfman and he's like stalking him through the apartment. Yes. Yes, that scene scared the shit out of me as a kid. Scared me, like, to an unreasonable degree. Well, save it for the werewolf episode. I know. <laughs> we'll talk about it when we get to the werewolf episode. But for today, we are done talking about vampires. Uh, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. If you have a, a vampire movie that we didn't get to, please write to us and let us know. We'd love to hear about it, uh, unless it's Twilight. So <laughs> stay safe, stay healthy, and until next time, stay spoopy and remember. Keeps himself alive by drinking the blood. Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips from Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, distributed by Universal Pictures 1948. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Barbara Duel Productions.